Hey guys, welcome to a long, delayed episode of Monday School. I have so many thoughts on so many things, and I don't often share them anymore. And it's not because I don't have, like, things I want to say. I just, man, so much is going on, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to have a voice in society in 2021. What does that look like? Man, um, you know, part of part, there's been a couple of reasons for a delay and why I might not ever, uh, you know, release another podcast episode or why it might be another four months or however long it's been or, and, and here's the couple of reasons. First is really taking some time. I'm trying to like process and be reflective um, before I, I'm reactionary, which is so hard for me because my default is to be extremely reactionary. I was telling a friend that, you know, if you know anything about the Enneagram, it's like a personality typing type thing. And they have, you know, nine different numbers and the nine different numbers are split out into three different groups of threes called triads. And the triad that I'm a part of, I'm an Enneagram eight, which is often like the, the person who starts drama, <laughs> not that, but like is adamantly vocal and, and expressive and things of, of that nature. But the triad I'm a part of is the gut. They call it the gut center. And for me, it feels like there's, do you know what a pilot light is? Like a pilot light keeps the, um, like a, a, uh, the water heater in our house it's constantly running, just keeping the water at a certain temperature so that it doesn't have to go from freezing cold to, you know, hot, taking a shower. It's kind of always there, kind of always keeping it going. My gut is like a pilot light to me. It's always on. And, you know, if there's something that comes along and throws like a spark on it, then it's going to light go really fast or like a, you know, whatever you call it, lighter fluid or whatever. And that's how my gut feels. Like I, I'm, I just have a gut reaction to everything. Sometimes it's like a huge, huge dose of like lighter fluid that starts like a immediate intense fire. And other times maybe it's just like a little, you know, a, a little piece of uh, like a splinter or something, a little piece of wood that makes it uh, spark up a little bit more, but not much. And so I'm trying to be less reactionary because I'm, as I'm sure most of you that listen to this feel, man, what the hell is happening? Like, it feels like I'm not worried about this end of days crap. God's not coming. (laughs) That's not happening. If if the world ends, it's because humanity ends it. It's not because God is going to descend from the sky. So when people talk about the end of days, I'm not like, oh, the signs of the times. That's not, no, I'm just like watching it all. Like, how the hell have we gotten here? And part of what, why I'm, I'm recording this today is because I have these thoughts and I, I'm trying, I haven't shared them, not because I don't have them. Trust me, I've had more thoughts the last however many months than maybe even before that. But I had such negative feedback. Now, I'm not afraid of feedback. I will talk crap to people as much as I want. I'm not afraid of conflict. 
In fact, I, in fact, most of the time I embrace it. Uh, Rachel hates that part of me. Like I, I'm, it feels like not that I'm running towards it always, but I am never one to shy away from a fight about anything. Okay. And, um, the responses that people give, I would keep pushing and pushing and pushing until I had 30 Instagram followers left. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like I will, I will light shit up and I, and it just, I'm like, whatever it is, what it is. I can't be, basically it's because I can't be inauthentic to myself. I refuse to be inauthentic to who I am. And so if that means by speaking out, I get people pissed at me. I don't care because I'd rather have people pissed at me than me pissed at me. Do you get what I'm saying? So by speaking out this summer, I had a lot, a lot, a lot of people, like 300 people at least unfollow me. I've had so much hate on my Facebook in particular. Now I go on there, not to troll per se, but to kind of get people's responses to understand a more conservative, more orthodox type Mormon point of view, because that's not the point of view or the belief that I have. And so it is a learning exercise for me. It's not just this idea where I'm just trying to talk crap and watch people get all enraged. Uh, No, because I, I am genuinely curious, but like, so I get that there. And then on Instagram with mostly my former students who most of you that listen to this are my former students. Like I go there because I want to listen because, because I'm, I'm thinking people are going to, you know, this is like whatever miniature platform I have, people are going to, you know, at least be able to engage. And man, you know how Mormons are. The minute you start talking bad about their, their, um, their idols, which unfortunately the church, the Mormon church itself and Republicanism, Donald Trump are idols. They are, they are just, they're idols that are blindly worshiped in Mormonism by many Mormons. How about that? And, ah, uh, like, you know what happens if you call it somebody's idol, they will do anything but evaluate that idol, but evaluate their complicit complicity <laughs> in, um, in how they have made these things idols in their lives. And so it's just, it's very, uh, Hard is not the right word. Again, I don't run from fights. I will speak out until I'm blue in the face. But the the thing that I'm trying to understand is how do I best use whatever limited platform I have to speak out? So the combination of those two things where I'm trying to just reflect on um, and, and be more um, calculated in my responses um, you know, Jesus gets pissed in, and, and we, we try to run from, I remember trying to run from that when I was teaching seminary, like, no, uh, the first time I taught, you know, and, and then the, when I got more comfortable with my understanding of scripture and God and all of that, I was like, wait, it says clearly that Jesus, and when he had made himself a scourge, like a whip that he ended up getting angry and, and flipped temples. Like he wasn't, anger is not the problem. In fact, the lesson there would be, um, uncalculated anger is the problem with Jesus. It felt calculated. He took time to make a whip. How freaking long would it take to make a a leather whip? Okay. So he's calculated, but then he still has this rage. And that's, that's where I'm at. I refuse to tone down the rage at injustice. That's bull crap. I'm not going to do that. This idea of unity, let's have unity and turn down. What's the phrase that people have been using lately? Uh, Turn down the temperature. 
you know, I write, um, you know, Rep. John Williams, who's who's our my con, uh, my congressman where I live, and that's his thing. You know, I I chose not to impeach Trump because we need to tone down the volume. And I'm like, dude, no, like we we turn down the volume not by appeasing these people that are doing horrible things, but by holding them accountable. And yes, it's going to make them mad. It will make them mad. But but letting them off the hook for doing things that are wrong. That see, do you see what I'm saying? Like, and on top of that, we know how history plays out. We know that freaking Hitler himself has this thing where he tries to over overthrow the government. Okay, the beer hall pushed is what they call it. Pushed. I don't know. I don't speak that smart language. It's not a German. It's just an oh, English word I don't know. But Hitler has this whole thing. And then he's he's thrown in jail. That's where he writes Mein Kampf, my struggle. And then he runs in and then he takes over and he becomes the powerful one. Like we have an opportunity to say, Trump, what you have done is never okay. And you will never have a chance to run for office in this country again. And we're not gonna punish you in terms of like, I don't I don't believe in prison. I really don't. I think it's broken. And if we do, then it should be for rehabilitation. So I don't think we need to like murder Trump. I don't need, think we even need to throw him in jail, but by holding him accountable and saying, Hey, we're not okay with what you've done. We're now making sure that the next person who tries to do what he did knows that there will be justice and there will be accountability. But what's going to end up happening. I'm confident in this is that he's going to get off and either one of two things will happen. Either Trump will want run again, which I, I sadly foresee and now if Republicans typically don't want Trump and they're like, no, we can't have that, then the party will split and then he'll form the MAGA party or the Patriot party. Just watch. Okay. And that good because first off, Republicans will never win a popular vote ever again. It will never happen. Not in the history of this country will it ever happen. And if I'm wrong, then I'll eat my words, but I'm not going to be wrong. They've, they've lost seven out of the last eight popular votes. The population is only growing more and more democratic by by the day. And so if Trump runs again and Republicans don't want it, the the party will split. If they do want it, then he's going to lose the popular vote, but it's going to incite this fanatic base again. And then the third option is somebody who's who's just like Trump in his ideology, but not like Trump in his brashness will will run under the guise of being, you know, a typical Republican. And so what I'm saying is if we don't hold Trump and others accountable for these actions then we're in trouble anyway, all of that goes to say, I'm trying to figure out how the hell, how the hell do I speak out in a way that is authentic to myself in a way that is authentic to people that I care most about. And frankly, like I have a lot, I, I would even say that I have more I was going to use the word friends, but I don't think that's what they are. I have more acquaintances that have voted for Trump than I have friends or acquaintances who didn't. And so to say that I don't care about them is a half truth. I do care about the people in my life that vote for Trump, including all of my family, half of my in-laws. Like I, I, I do care about them as people. I care about a, a lot of these real friends that I have that have voted for Trump. And I don't have any, um, I don't want to have to sever relationships. Do you see what I'm saying? I, that's not, that's not joyful for me. It's, it's hard and it's sad, 
But when push comes to shove, if the choice was between, you know, a friend who says, hey, I won't be your friend if you speak out against what I believe politically or uh, speaking out against what I believe politically, I'm going to speak out. And the reason for that is I care deeply, deeply, deeply about injustice. I ju- it's just in my bones. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Back to that Enneagram thing, the Enneagram 8 has a that rage that I mentioned, but it's often rage towards injustice. And that's what I feel. There's something inside of me that just, it snaps is not the right word, but it just ignites if injustice occurs to somebody who's undeserving. I will go after you if I feel like you're in power. I will tear you down. But if you were one that's being um, treated unjustly, I will be this protector, defender. I'm like rabid in my desire to protect the little guy. And, and I think part of that is because in my soul, I think that's who I am. I faked like I wasn't in high school. I, in fact, I, I tried so hard to show that I wasn't that hurt little boy um, that I, I actually went the opposite way and I tried to you know put people down. That's always how it is, right? Bullies and whatnot are always trying to make themselves feel better. And, I, and that's definitely what I did. But once I recognized, once, once that scriptural phrase that I still love, and when he came to himself, right? Once I realized, oh my, that's who I am and that's what I'm doing, I stopped and I became an advocate for these people. Because deep down, that's who I am. And what I want in society is not for white people to be treated poorly or Christians to be treated poorly. What I want is for every person to be treated as well as white Christian men have been treated in this country forever. That's what I want. I don't want oppression for white people. But the truth is, is that in order to make things equal, because they are not equal now, we will need to, like white people will need to take a part of their joyful, privileged lives and give it up so that others can have a better life. So when white people say, oh, it feels like oppression. Well, yeah, I can understand from their perspective how it does. The challenge here is, White people still believe that they've earned everything that they've got. Now, I'm not saying that they haven't earned a lot, but if you're born on third base, it's really hard to know or remember what life was like in the batter's box. That's a baseball reference. If you don't get it, I'm sorry. The point being that if you don't ever know what it's like to start from literally nothing, right? White people, look, man, you get, white people have struggles just like everybody else. This is a conversation on privilege that I felt like we all had this summer and people still don't want to admit. Anyway, my my thoughts are scattered because I have so much to say and I feel like none of it's effective. How do I speak out? How do I, how do I, is my voice always going to be too strong to call out the Orthodox Mormon community, the conservative community? Like there's people like Rosie Card who just piss me off because I don't feel like they go far enough in denouncing problems in Mormonism, but they're, they're catering to an audience that is unwilling to hear the truth. And so they're like the stepping stone to greater realization of the problems within Mormonism or with America or whatever. And so how can I not be grateful for that? Again, whether or not I'm Christian, like my life has been influenced by Christianity 
And so I think of like where it says in the Bible, like every person has a gift and no gift is better or worse than the other. And, and like, damn, like I want 30,000 followers so I can influence things. But I don't, the more time that goes on, the more I'm like, that's not going to be my role in society. And it sucks because don't we all grow up wanting to be like Martin Luther King? Or is that just a freak thing of mine where I'm like, I want to have 700 million people following my Instagram account so I can influence the world. Or is that just weird? I don't know, but I'm learning to come to grips. I'm like, I don't think that's ever going to be my life. I don't think I'm ever going. I think in terms of like the, the largest number of people I'll be able to influence, I think I've hit that peak. And I think I kind of gave it up by quitting seminary. That number grew, you know, by 180 students a semester. And I, I, I couldn't keep going because it would be inauthentic to be like, hey, stay Mormon. When I'm like, I actually think staying Mormon is going to be do more harm than good. And so I'm, I'm learning to come to grips with, damn, like there's going to be other people that will speak to an audience I can't speak to. So I'm like, well, who is my audience then? Is it, you know, the 200 people that I've added to my close friends list? Is that bad that I'm like just speaking to them? Should I speak to all people and just let people unfollow me? Am, am I still too fragile? Is it still too hard to watch people who I still, who I actually considered friends, who I looked up to unfollow me because I spoke the truth? And and the harder thing wasn't when I was being intentionally inflammatory. The harder thing for me is when I was just being simply what I deemed as following Jesus of loving people. It feels like in a lot of ways, like, look, I know I've taken steps, if you want to call it to the left or taken steps out of the church or whatever, whatever stupid metaphor. I get that. But like, it's so frustrating because I feel like I haven't moved that much, (laughs) but people think that I have gone off the deep end. And my feeling is I don't feel like I have moved. I wouldn't deny that, but haven't, haven't you moved too? And by you moving further to the right and further into this crazy false orthodoxy, hasn't that enlarged the gap between where we are? Not just blaming me. The lack of self-reflection that I feel like people have is so painful. It's so hard for me to watch people um, just just attack without doing any self-reflection. Now, people might think I don't do self-reflection, but the thing that would belie that whole point they make is, I used to be like them, and now I'm not. So how did I get there without doing self-reflection? That's It's not possible. And I know that there's still... Every day I need to check my biases. I need to check my, uh, what I come to the table with in terms of my assumptions and premises. I need to check my facts. I need to make sure I'm calculated. But I, I feel like I am. And I also feel like I'm rambling now. And maybe none of this makes sense. And I don't even know what I'm trying to say or why I'm saying it today. I read an article a friend passed on to me. It was like a 15-page um, essay from a, a Mormon author named James Goldberg. And he talked about the struggle of, he said eight meditations are basically reflections on this current spiritual crisis. And he talked about the, the challenge it is to, uh, to see what's happening to people that you know, and that you've had good experiences with go off this crazy deep end that you've seen people post like hashtag give thanks, hashtag, uh, light the world. And then they post Trump memes, basically saying the radical leftists are going to, are out to get you. 
and you see people posting things that just are not based in reality. They're not. And you're like, how do I combat this? And my default is to be like, look, here's, here's reason and here's logic and here's facts. And the challenge is I've read so many essays and so many articles about how to help people that have been influenced by QAnon and other conspiracy theories. How do you help them? And the answer overwhelmingly is facts won't help them. <laughs> they, they don't, facts, facts don't matter because they believe that the sources providing those quote unquote facts are biased. The mainstream media is a way to, to write off any evidence that is contrary to your currently held point of view. And so the way to, to help, you know, help these people, they say is you can't do much other than just say, I'm here for you. You can throw subtle cracks in their arguments like here or there, but you have to listen. Tell me why you believe this. Tell me why this matters to you. And the hardest thing is for so many people, it's because they want to do good. A lot of people believe that the world really is ran by satanic pedophiles that are harming kids. But I also think it's not just altruism. I think it's, and I don't think it's just like they're inherently dumb. I think they do a lot of work that that appears like critical thinking and they can put together crazy cue puzzles that I wouldn't be able to put together. So they're not inherently dumb. And it's just like, how do we, how can you not see? And the hardest thing is they're saying the same thing about us. How can you not see it's right in front of your eyes? Wake up is what they say. And it's just this like, it just feels so helpless. So I want to call out Mormonism, but I'm like, dude, faith provides people with a sense of comfort in hard times. I'm, I'm trying to pick my battles. Where, where, do I, where do I speak up? What do I care most about? In my social work degree, I, 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 the, the, the thing I love most about social work is, you know, it's a, I want to be an LCSW. I want to be a therapist. And in other forms of therapy, you're talking about, you know, skills and training and cells and whatnot, just like we do in social work. But the unique contribution that social work brings to the mental health fields is an evaluation of the role that systems play in shaping mental health. So a a thought being, if the system, meaning if the world is inherently racist and I'm meeting with a black client, it's going to be really unfair for me to give this black client coping skills and not also advocate for the eradication of the thing causing their problem. And so we talk all the time in my degree and my, my experience about this and my, in the need to speak up and in the need to advocate for systemic change. And I'm trying to think, how the hell do I do this? Do I just keep calling people out? Do I, do I go back to just posting um, my normal life so that people feel like they, we have a relationship? Because, you know, relationships seem to be key in um, changing people's beliefs eventually. But isn't that messed up to get into a relationship just with the purpose of changing someone's beliefs? And also, for all the people that didn't want to, like, be on my close friends list, if you don't want to hear the real honest thoughts that I had, about things that make you uncomfortable, why would I share other private special aspects of my life? If you can't handle all of me, why would you, why would you just want the good parts of me? That, that feels like be, a betrayal of the vulnerability 
that I that I create, like I want to be vulnerable, but I refuse to be vulnerable um, and not have, uh, you know, if people don't want to see the full me, it just feels, it feels like uh, an opportunity to cause myself harm. And I don't want to do that. And so, I don't know, this is a lot of thoughts. What do we, what do we do about this and how do we move forward? The article that I read today basically ends, well, not ends, but there's a, a key point, point in it that describes um, his challenge where a friend who he loves and he talks about some of the moments they've had together and this good person posts something like, during the, in, the insurrection, the terrorist insurrection at the Capitol, I still support Trump. Do you hate me now? And he's trying to understand how do I respond in between this, I still support Trump and do you hate me? Where he's like, no, I don't hate you. But how can you still support, you know? And he's trying to thread this needle. And so he, he doesn't comment on her post. He, and, and um, you know, he, <laughs> he basically like subtweets her, but in a kind way, because this man is a kind person and, and, and writes this post of himself. And he says, hey, I know that it's hard for a lot of people to understand the struggles that have been caused to our community because um, he's Sikh. And he's also Mormon. It's interesting. But anyway, and, and he posts pictures of how the damage that's been done to the Sikh community and, and other Muslim communities. And she messages him because she reads it and says, that's just, it's so disappointing that you would say that. Like, blah, 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 blah. And wanting a response. And he's like, I don't know how, like in his mind, he's thinking, I don't know how to respond to this person because I don't hate them. But I also don't want to say it's okay for her to say what she's been saying. And so what does she do? She unfriends him. And so I think that's so emblematic of how, of this tension. Do I speak up and be loud and aggressive and have people really pissed at me and all of that and gossip and lose followers? Do I not speak up and just hope that people are going to learn on their own, which is what I'm learning is the unfortunate reality of life that honestly we can't change people Richard Rohr said that the two great uh, catalysts to change are great love and great suffering. And, you know, a Christian would say that it's, it's a matter of timing when all of those things align to get you to the right place when you're ready to hear the word. And um, for me, it was my great love for people, for specifically black people, also Latinos who were my friends all throughout high school. It was my great love for them that um, first opened the crack in my heart to be able to recognize white privilege, to sit with the discomfort of being called out in that privilege. And then it was great suffering caused by my, uh, my, the challenges of my life of a miscarriage, of infertility, of a cancer diagnosis, of threats of being fired regularly, of countless um, hurtful I'll say dis- discrimination for lack of a better word because of my religious beliefs by my employer and, and by, by parents and whatnot. And the combination of that great love and great suffering led me to open my heart to a new world where now I'm like, oh my, this is, this is what re- reality is. And so do I just trust that that will happen? And I think sadly, and maybe not sadly, but difficultly, <laughs> that's the answer. And then the third option is, do I... Um, 
do I just kind of post normal things in, in the hopes to build that relationship? I don't know. It, it feels inauthentic to myself to do that. And so I'm, I'm stuck wondering, what's my platform? How do I speak out? What do I speak out about? Which is another thing that activists have been saying recently is you might be passionate about many different subjects. Choose one or two that you care most about. Well, I'm, well then I think, how do, how do I choose? How do I choose between prison abolition and defunding the military? And how do I choose between um, immigration reform and, and gay rights? And how, how do I choose between universal basic income and Medicare for all? And I know the beauty of intersectionality is if one domino falls, then all of them fall. They all come together, which is, again, why I can have empathy for others who are like, the world is changing. And they know if, if all of a sudden we move one direction, the, the, the dominoes are going to fall. And all of a sudden, the world as they know it will be not that world anymore. And understandably, that's scary. And so people like Trump and others come along and incite that fear and want to play on that fear. And I think Mormonism does this as well. And they play on that fear, maybe not as maliciously and definitely not as maliciously as what Trump would do. But how do you, how do you help tone down the fear when it's based on things that aren't logical? It's just, it's so much and it's so heavy and it's so hard. And I don't know if we're ever going to get it right. And maybe it's a, a death by a thousand cracks that maybe people need to have this moment here and this moment there. And do I just consistently post and just help others? Maybe because my voice is too passionate and you'll have a more, uh, more soft voice. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like I keep messing up, like not messing up, but I, I feel like I'm not doing it right. I want to be Martin Luther King. I want to be this person that has a massive following, but how do you get there without vulnerability? But how do you keep putting yourself out there to be vulnerable when people are hurtful? That's a hard thing. Shame resilience is hard. And should you keep doing it? And it, even if I do put myself out there, am I even going to get an audience? Cause that's the thing. I don't, I don't get like, I share my thoughts and I lose followers. I don't ever have people at it. I mean, I guess I've had like a couple that I don't know, but I don't, you know, all these people, and why does that even matter? And why does influence being an influencer matter? Why don't we just shape the people we're around? But then I think, well, don't we shape people we're around by relationship and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just so much. And I don't know if I'm ever doing it right. And so perhaps this podcast episode resonates with you because you're feeling similarly, or maybe it resonates with you because you're, you're finally glad to hear me say something, or maybe you don't care. And maybe nobody listens to this. And maybe it's all about what Dr. Martin Luther King says, right? That we meet the physical force with soul force. And yes, there are actual physical threats to, you know, our country and democracy and what have you. But it seems like most of the threats that we are experiencing, people that listen to my podcast, are not physical ones, but war of words and thoughts and ideas. And so the physical force there would be you know, wrong ideas or harmful ideas or whatever. And the soul force would be restraint and how we respond in so many ways. I wish I was still a teacher because I, I know I would have a platform. However, I also know I, if I wasn't already almost getting fired, which I was, I would have absolutely been fired. How am I going to teach about Nephi 
when there's an insurrection at the freaking Capitol building. And most of the people that are sitting in my class, they or their parents are supporting Trump. Like, do you get what I'm saying? So it, it was going to happen anyway. And, uh, you know, I don't demonize people, but I also don't support people that, that I don't support ide- ideas that are harmful towards the most marginalized. And the hardest thing is these are supposed to be Christian people who say love one another. I'm like, that's what I'm trying to do. And then, you know, they hate and call you Marxist or socialist or anti-Mormon or whatever. I think that Mormonism, by the way, can do good. And I think it does do good. My belief is that is two. Number one, I don't think people have enough informed consent. I don't think they know what they've gotten themselves into or what what they're getting themselves into. I don't think Mormonism is direct and upfront enough with that. And the second thought is, I don't think that the net positive outweighs the net negative of Mormonism. I think more often than not, Mormonism causes harm. I don't think it has to be that way. I think it is that way. And so truthfully, it's hard for me not to support people. If somebody has all the information or more information than they usually do, and they choose to say Mormon, so be it. But I don't think, first off, most people have all the information. And then secondly... I, I don't, I, it's, I don't know anybody that has all the information that hasn't chosen to walk away. How about that? Or that doesn't betray themselves to stay. Most people I know, if they know things that make them uncomfortable with Mormonism, they just put it away with that phrase they put on the shelf. And I don't think that's healthy. I might think of a couple people who stay, but the reason they stay is because they've created a church that works for them, not church as it is. So Mormonism as it is right now doesn't work. I don't think it does. And so that's where I'm at with Mormonism. And that's why I say what I say, but it's also why I've been quiet because I know it's supposed to be a a relief for people and I don't want to be harmful to them. But I also don't want to condone it. You see uh, This tension is just, it's heavy. Anyway, those are my thoughts. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, what, what are the most, I've been thinking like, what are the most likely, you know, what, what would I want in my ideal world? Well, I'd want uh, Medicare for all. I want universal basic income. I would want um, reparations for black people. I'd want land back and or reparations for indigenous people. I would want equality for queer people. I would want churches to be taxed. I would want, um, man, there's a lot. There's a lot that I would want differently. What do I think is most feasible? Well, man, (laughs) that's, that's hard. People are celebrating Biden. And look, I'm happy that Biden's in there because he's not Trump. But Biden is not the answer. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's most feasible for us as a country. It sure seems like the closest thing we could get is Medicare for all. So do I put, put my effort there and my, do I speak out there and, and try to try to not, you know, be, care about so many arguments? I don't know. Is that effective? Is that not, do I not speak out? Do I speak out? When do I speak out? Why do I speak out? And that, that last question is the hard, the hard question. Why do I speak out? And, um, my why is a deep love for people that are afflicted. It's also a a sense in some ways, a sense of guilt that I'm not doing enough to help them. 
And um, I don't know. I'm still evaluating. So if you have any thoughts, ideas, tips, comments, questions, DM me. I'm still around. It's just you can tell why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. And so anyway, thanks for listening. And uh, keep fighting the good fight. Those of you that I know keep doing good things. And it's hard. And uh, hopefully there will be some healing sometime, but healing can't come without accountability. So, but that's where we're at. Remember, this is Monday school, things we should have heard in Sunday school. Imagine what it would be like if uh, the church that Martin Luther King believed in, that gospel that he believed in was what Mormonism was doing. It would be just a lot more beautiful in my mind. That's, that's the church I can get behind. But anyway, that's why we're having these discussions here. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hopefully, maybe we'll see. I also just say this. I always do this. I, I think I'm done and then something I'm like, oh, I should have said that. Um, part of the reason, well, another reason why I haven't been podcasting is because I feel like there's other people that say the same thing I'm trying to say, but better. So why would I be redundant? Um, you know, when I think of, you know, uh, John DeLynn or Bill Real or Radio Free Mormon or just there's so many Mormon podcasts that are saying what I'm trying to say, but I think they're doing it better and it's actually you know, uh, professionally done. And then I have my janky one done on my iPhone with my AirPods, you know, and I, I just think about all the other voices and think, why, why am I here? And, and I know that it's because you care about me, but can I just point you to other episodes and maybe I should be doing that. I don't know. I don't know. Tell me what I should be doing or don't, or I'll figure it out. Or I don't know. Talk to me or don't <laughs> see you.